Welcome to Connected Philanthropy. In today's episode, funders share strategies, ideas, and concerns on building relationships. This discussion comes from a recorded Coffee Talk webinar that was moderated by Ashley Harper and Meredith Morgan. Let's dive right in. Here's Meredith. The conversation that we want to have today as we as we enter basically the third year of living with COVID is uh, thinking about how we're able to um, start rebuilding connection in a safe way. How do we, you know, square this wheel? And that's that's something where um, beyond looking at the sector as a whole, we're also experiencing that here internally at Foundin as far as asking ourselves questions about how we how we build the relationships that we've had and, and continue to expand them. So specifically today, uh, the conversation that we want to have with you all is thinking about how you and your organizations are meeting this moment. How are you building and maintaining relationships uh, with your grantees, uh, with other funders, and also internally? And generally, what have you learned along the way? So to get started thinking about grantees and funders, I think that those are relationships that um, that at the beginning of COVID, uh, we had a lot of conversations, a lot of coffee talks um, early on in the pandemic talking about rapid response. What are people doing right now to get uh, funds out the door as quickly as possible to coordinate efforts with, with everybody that is also in this funding side of things? Now that we're three years on, we're working on three, the third year, how has that changed? Where are we today? Um, how are we all doing? Yeah, so I just wanted to mention something we started doing very quickly when we went remote in March 2020 that we've kept doing that has gotten a lot of positive feedback from grantees, which is something that we call a grantee roundtable, which is just, um, so we have three program officers, about six grants between the three of us. Um, and each of us for each of our grant programs has been running grantee roundtables, which is just a virtual meeting space for our cohorts of grantees. So nonprofits receiving grants from that specific program. Um, it's an optional join um, and it's just a place for them to meet and talk to each other, which has gotten a lot of positive feedback because they've told us they lost all of the networking they had with similar organizations. Um, and it's a really low lift. So if you have a really small staff, it's something that's really possible. I do it quarterly with my grantees and I'll just put out a date. I typically do a morning time and an afternoon time and just tell people join if you can. If you can't, that's fine. Um, I had a round last week and I had about 25 different staff attend across the two times. Um, and I got a round of grant reports in just this, uh, in January and the positive feedback just kept coming about how valuable those were about how it was so great to connect with other staff. A lot of connections happened between nonprofits. So for example, we have an art therapy organization and a refugee serving organization, and they were able to partner to offer art therapy to the refugee population um, of an organization that offers books to kids. And they were able to partner with organizations. Um, and I just saw the, the chat and I do not have an agenda for this. So again, it's a low lift. I don't work on setting an agenda. I go in with you know, let's introduce ourselves. This was a new cohort, um, the one last week. And so I started out with what's something positive, which was a really nice, refreshing way to start. But in general, the organizations themselves drive the conversation. So it tends to be very different from group to group. Um, and they ask questions of each other and they end up talking about issues that are really affecting them, which I think is more effective than me setting the agenda because I'm not on the ground. So this has been really successful and I'm happy to talk more about 
um, about it. If anybody is interested, I'll put my email in the chat, but it's a really low lift that's, that's really, really paid off and had positive results. Thank you. Yeah, that, that, that sounds um, ideal. And I, is this something, were you doing this before in person? We actually weren't. So this okay. is something new for us. Um, we were doing occasional site visits in person, but this is actually more contact during the year with our grantees that we were having pre-COVID. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. Appreciate that. I am kind of curious about whether or not this is something that you're um, that you're having the grantees divvied up in any particular way, or if this is something that you really are sort of like sending out an open call to the folks that are participating. Um, I can answer that. So it's divided by our grant program. So for example, I manage two grant programs. Um, so it would be my education grantees, of which I have 20 right now, would be invited as a cohort. And then my other grant doesn't have grantees right now, we're reopening that soon. And they would be invited as a cohort versus our arts program has a cohort. So it's similar organizations that are participating in the same grant program. That makes a lot of sense. It's very cool. My name is Devin Potter. I'm the development manager for the Community Foundation of Northwestern Alberta. We're up in Alberta, Canada here. Um, and we have something kind of similar to what was already discussed called Open Door Cafe, where we invite all of our agencies uh, within our region, which is actually quite a vast region. Um, to come once a month and just meet virtually over the lunch hour. We sometimes bring in guest speakers to talk about anything from, um, you know, how to cope with stress and uh, balancing your life during this time, not to cause burnout, things like that, all the way to uh, more pointed things about what the agencies are dealing with. And then we also just give each agency the opportunity to speak about what's going on within their organization so that we have an awareness of what's happening in the region um, and between organizations. And through that, there's been a lot of collaboration between different agencies on projects and programming. So that's been um, really beneficial to to our region up here. Um, something else that we started doing within this last year is there was a big movement towards trust-based philanthropy. And so in doing that, we've moved away from more of the traditional um, paperwork of a grant. Uh, once you've received a grant of having to fill out lengthy paperwork. So now we're doing, there's still some paperwork required for our CRA um, requirements. However, we have been able to have more one-on-one -on -one conversations where we just meet with the organization and they tell us about all the projects and programming going on. They tell us what's been working for them, what hasn't been, how the funds have been used. Um, sometimes if COVID safety allows, then we can actually go and do a tour of their organization and kind of see the impact that's been had. And it's just created a a greater open dialogue. It takes less time out of their day um, to fill out paperwork and it's more beneficial in the conversations that are had where we can really kind of deep dive into what their needs are and, and kind of know on, on our end if there's funding that we can provide or if down the road we hear of something we can support them with. Um, and, uh, you know, it could be something as simple as, hey, we usually receive the grants this time of the year, and it could be really beneficial to receive them two months earlier as far as even just their year-end audits go or their year-end reporting. So something as simple as that all the way to here's this program we really want to get kick-started, but we don't know where to receive funding or how we could collaborate with another group, and we might have that information too. So um, we're, we're really excited about this trust-based philanthropy and how it's been positively impacting us and and really diversifying our region and being able to reach out to more organizations within our region. Wow, thank you, Devin, appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, I always find it interesting 
if people are receiving any pushback from, you know, we, so many of us have been very um, report-based, paperwork-based. We, we collect a lot, whether or not we're using it. So uh, I wonder if anyone's getting pushback on, on the changes that they're making, or are they welcome? I'm Linda Rice. I'm the Vice President for Grant Making at the Hampton Roads Community Foundation. I am the program officer with two part-time people that assist me, and we manage uh, a, over 100 grants a year. But I wanted to share a couple of things that we've done to maintain relationships, and one is call-in day. We have always had drop-in day where once a month, the first Thursday of each month, anybody in our community could come and talk to a program officer. And it's always worked quite well. Uh, but when we had to pivot to something other than visitation, we started call-in day. And that's worked equally as well. We give people at least 30 minutes, um, one day a month, and they call in. And the good news is most of these individuals are people that we have never met before, and we're able to invite them to other opportunities at the foundation. And those opportunities are our affinity groups and somewhat like the last two speakers. Since 2015, we've offered affinity groups. We've divided the um, areas, sectors that we fund into eight different groups. And we invite nonprofits to participate three times a year in a conversation. Uh, it's a, a meeting without an agenda. It was started because when I came to the foundation, I had been in higher education for many years and really did not know the nonprofit sector like I should. So I wanted a learning community, which was a term I was familiar with from higher education. So we started with five groups and we've expanded to eight. But as a result of that, over time, the relationships have become so strong between our nonprofits that they now collaborate. And I don't have to be in the middle of it anymore. Uh, but they share so much information with me that I'm able to share with some of our newer organizations. And um, as when I, people call in and they are new to us, I always invite them to an affinity group if they're interested. Uh, and that seems to be working. The more senior organizations in our community are now helping the younger organizations uh, start and start well. Uh, the other thing that we have continued through COVID is our training. We used, I did some training in the office and we do have an academy and we fund an academy at a local institution, but to, in order to establish relationships with some people who would maybe not come to our affinity groups or I wouldn't know, I started just doing simple training, like what is an outcome? How do you use a program logic model? How do you develop a survey? Where do you find data? Things that were really comfortable, comfortable to me, and I do about an hour and a half, and I do those each three times a year. So it allows us to have uh, great relationships with people. So the bottom line is that we have had better attendance at training and better attendance at the affinity groups since we've gone virtual. So we're not turning back. We're going to keep everything virtual uh, and allow people to participate who might not otherwise be able to participate in our area. We have a lot of bridges and tunnels 
and they get jammed up and you don't have that with a virtual setting. So that's enough for now, but those are some things that we're doing. Linda, thank you. Mimi had a question for you, which is how, do, how does your team, how do you market the call-in days? How do people know about them? Great question. It's on our website. We announce that we, we announce up front at the beginning of the year. These are our training days. These are our affinity group days. And these are our call-in days. And um, so then we put it on social media uh, as we're leading up to the day. And people uh, contact us. We have an a email address. And you just contact that email address and the person that answers those emails sets up an appointment and communicates with um, each of the nonprofits and works quite well. Um, nonprofits love it. Somebody asked about, does our, our website have the affinity group information? And the answer is no. And that may sound odd, but um, one of the things that, you know, from um, interpersonal relationship dynamics. Every time you bring a new person into a group, it changes the dynamic of the group. So um, what I try really hard to do is invite two and three new people to the groups um, each time so that we don't get inundated with maybe a hundred people that want to come and then I can't manage it virtually and the, the, the uh, real conversation doesn't occur that now occurs makes people feel kind of special to get a invitation to an affinity group. Well, thank you. Thanks for sharing, Linda. So I'm in kind of a particular funding situation where I work for a nonprofit called Woodland Park Zoo in Seattle, and I am grant making with funds that have been given to us by the organization that funds our department. And so we have a capacity building grant program that's $3.3 million that I manage to a specific set of um, eligible zoos and aquariums in a seven state region that is set by that funder who's funding us. Um, but it is a full grant making program and it's pretty new. I only started my job about a year ago and we only had one grant round before I began. So um, we've kind of been building everything from the ground up, which has been challenging, but also really rewarding. I come from a position before where I was doing the grant writing and management and prospect research and reporting and all of that. And so has my boss. And so we've kind of thought about, you know, what worked for us and what didn't work for us when we were on the other side and how can we make it easier for grantees. And as I mentioned in the chat, we have an evaluation specialist on our team who has been so helpful because I, I, my brain does not think in outcomes and objectives. <laughs> and so having her create templates for our grantees, we have two different tiers. Um, the whole program is about capacity building. So the projects run a whole span depending on the organization, but we have one tier of grantees who are under $50,000 and then one that's up to $250,000. And so for those larger grants that are up to two years, um, there's an evaluation template that has a lot of definitions of evaluation terms and then also takes them through each objective of their application. Some of them have three, some just have one, um, and breaks it down into indicators and audiences, and our evaluation specialist meets with them multiple times to fill it out. So it's not just a mountain of paperwork for them to all do, but it's really a collaborative process, and I'm making trying to make the... Um, the grantee funder relationship also really collaborative, asking for feedback on our application, on our reports, 
um, on every piece of the process so that we can be continually updating it and lessening the burden for both of us. That's really great professional development for your grantees. You know, in addition to the to the funding, you're building their capacity with mm -hmm. connecting them to that specialist. That's fantastic. Yeah, so we just finished our second round reviews and got all those contracts out the door. And then we have one more round that begins in the spring and hopefully we'll get funded again on this grant and have more rounds to come. Wonderful, thank you. Um, I guess I, I will go ahead and, and skip over to ask about funders. Um, while we can certainly be, uh, we can certainly circle back to other grantee ideas, but you know, this is something that maybe hasn't been as much of a priority as working with your grantees. How are you connecting now with other funders in this uh, isolating time? We've participated in a couple of funder collaboratives, which I think has been a positive experience. And we're, we fund in six counties in Florida and three geographic areas. In two of those regions, we've worked together just recently with other funders to develop a wellness um, program called Help the Helpers. I don't know if um, that's, I don't know if it was just designed. It started in the West Palm Beach area and then we've moved it into Miami-Dade as well. We're looking to incorporating it here in Tampa Bay, but it's an opportunity for funders to get together and address the stress and burden of nonprofit staffing who have worked, you know, tirelessly during this pandemic and given them some funding for, and giving them options to choose what they want to do. But, um, all around the area of wellness. It could be gift cards, it could be um, maybe a spa day, it could be some, um, a variety of different purposes, but different funders have come together and based on the number of staffing, we've awarded cash grants per employee for a certain dollar amount and that, that nonprofit gets to decide how to use that. But we've done that in two areas and it's been very positive and we're looking forward to doing that here in Tampa Bay. Great, thank you. So uh, we've been we've been working with other funders in a couple of different ways. Um, we're a small foundation, um, but you know, working with orgs locally, regionally, and nationally. And so one of the cool things that I thought was so cool that we did recently was uh, with the local women's foundation. Um, we did a listening session of a bunch of of nonprofit leaders all in our network. Um, uh, that we've worked with over the past six years. We invited them to a really short, like 35 minute call um, just to kind of hear what's going on for them um, and hear what they're, what's, what's going on in their organizations, but also just in their, in their own leadership journeys. Um, and we, we heard a lot and I know it's gonna inform a lot of other uh, opportunities that we're exploring this year. So I'm glad that we um, ended up making space for that call. It was a short, you know, low lift for everybody, um, a short amount of time for leaders. And it's, um, it's already turned into things that we're doing between our grant program, uh, kind of collaborative uh, programs across our dockets, connecting nonprofit leaders with uh, other organizations or inviting inviting people to webinar um, different, you know, themes, content that we have throughout the year. Um, and then we're also, I'm working on writing, writing pieces uh, that have funders at the, as the primary audience. 
um, specifically individuals with DAFs. Um, and so I'm excited about that. And I think that's, that's always been a primary audience, but it's a, it's a new way that we're working um, this year and a little bit of last year. Thank you, Robin. I'd add to that. It feels like um, everybody is uh, is juggling um, and has been juggling for the past, you know, the past duration of this this time we're living through. So many different um, balls, and that's something that when we think about making the time, carving out the time to have some of these sessions, um, sometimes it happens that we've set aside the time, but when we get to it, um, people are a little wiped out. <laughs> so that's the thing that I. I think it's worth noting that as well. Um, even when the good intentions are there and you've got the, the, the affinity group across the state that you're operating in to be trying to reach out across, um, across different lines, it's really easy to get your head down and like keep doing what we do. So, um, so that's a challenge too. So as far as thinking about um, where things stand, um, sort of high level, big picture. Um, I alluded to earlier that this um, thinking about how we're building relationships within the organization is definitely something that we're thinking about internally here at Foundant. Um, when I joined the team, it was a few months before the pandemic started. And at that time we had about 150 employees. Today, last I checked, we had over 220. And so you know that we're a pretty friendly bunch over here at Foundant, but as you can imagine, it's been a challenge to not only maintain our existing relationships, but also build that many new ones. So um, it's all things considered, I think we're doing a pretty great job, but I'd be lying if I said that this wasn't a challenge. Um, we learn from what you guys do um, in so many ways when we think about how we improve the tools that you're using and what challenges specifically you're facing in the sector. Um, but we also learn from you more broadly. And I, I'm hoping that somebody um, would be happy to talk about how are you maintaining um, the relationships within your staff? Um, we looked earlier about the size of staffs that we have uh, represented here on this call. And we have some smaller staffs. We also have um, some pretty large staffs, um, not necessarily in the 220 range, but still 50 people um, trying to stay connected and do the work that you all are doing in your communities. It's, uh, it's I imagine a challenge. Um, I can tell you, um, like I'm seeing Sarah, your, your hand is raised. Yeah, um, and I just, I this is technically not, necessarily within my organization, but I manage a collaborative of scholarship providers, so a little bit of the funder piece. Um, but that we had a meeting this morning that was supposed to be about supports for students and turned into supports for us <laughs> because we recognize that all of us are in this really burnt out, like struggling phase. So many of our mm. students are struggling with mental health and with a lot carrying a lot, but so are we. And so um, at the end of the meeting, someone just said, you know, I really appreciate having this space to just come and share and, you know, have this community. And so um, within our organization, within my team, we meet every couple of weeks just for like coffee and chatting. And so it's, you know, a space where we don't bring grants and stuff into it, but we're just talking about what's going on in our lives. Um, but that really struck me this morning of someone saying explicitly, like, I really appreciate having this space where we're all kind of doing the same type of work but we're talking about us and what we need and not like, how can we save the world? So um, yeah, just offering that. I don't know what I'm not gonna, I'm not sure what I'm gonna do with it yet. I am a social worker and a therapist by training. So um, we're, we're talking about, do we have office hours for students to come if they need to have that space and they feel safe with us or, um, but yeah, just realizing how much we're all carrying and what, what we can do to recognize that. 
a great perspective, Sarah, in terms of thinking about you with your additional roles as a social worker and a therapist. I'm sure you're seeing a lot of uh, stuff that's getting you going and <laughs> in, a, in a bunch of different, um, you know, intellectual ways. Yeah, um, a, lot of, a lot of opportunity to flex those skills right now. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. This, this moment's made for you. <laughs> um, I was just going to piggyback on what she was just saying. You know, the one thing I haven't been in my position at the Community of Foundation for six months. And so I'm meeting all these people as a Mental Wellness Alliance coordinator and everyone's burned out. You know, the therapists are burned out and, and time is an issue of connecting with others when they're not because their they're, time is so precious. And one thing I've tried to do is get people to say, let's go on a walk. Let's just go on a 45 minute walk and talk about us and not the work we're doing and take some deep breaths. And it's, it's been kind of every time we're done with the walk, everybody just feels a little more connected, um, feels that safety net of, wow, we can just talk both of us about each other and ourselves instead of all the energy we're spending on a regular basis on other people. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's, um, it's that sort of uh, airplane safety manual idea that you've got to put your mask on before you can help other people off the plane, right? Erin, yeah. it looks like your uh, hand is raised too. We used to have it twice a month. Now we're moving it to once a month, but we have one um, call. We're not in the office. Um, we are in three different geographic locations and now, and most people are working remotely. Um, but we have one meeting that we rotate the responsibility. So the office pers operations person is not responsible for doing all this. We rotate responsibilities and we have an opening reflection and then there's an activity. And that's, we do that, we do that twice a month and now we're doing it once a month, but it's also a time to not focus on work, to have fun. Sometimes it might be somewhat focused on work. We might have a theme like um, we're transitioning to um, focus on climate justice. And so, you know, I did a quiz on climate justice and I had a reflection that might've been a song or something like that. Um, but sometimes we'll place categories or sometimes, um, you know, we've done yoga before, so all virtual. So it's fun and you never know what, you know, we have a great group of staff that's very creative and outgoing and up for anything. And so it's, I look forward to that meeting that we, you know, you never know what's coming <laughs> and it's a fun time to just get to connect with our employees. Um, I was on a call the other day. One of the questions was how many of y'all have employees that you've never met before in person? Mm -hmm. And there was like a large number, you know, just because the way things have been. And we have a relatively new employee um, that hasn't met you know, several of our, our staff because they're located on the east coast of Florida. So um, that just, we've just been mindful of that. And actually she got married recently and we haven't done some type of celebration type thing in a while. So we, I intentionally um, created a party planning committee and we did a uh, bridal shower for her. So a couple people were in person and the rest were virtual, but it still worked out and it was a great experience. So that is fantastic, Erin. It's a, it's such a, we're, so I mentioned at the beginning of the call, we're remote. Um, I have met Ashley, I'm happy to tell you, but there are a number of people on our team that, that neither of us, have, well, actually, Ashley, you, you got to head out to Montana this summer, but, um, but we haven't met a lot of our team members, which um, yeah. feels kind of crazy because it's people we're seeing maybe um, every, like we do three check-ins a week 
just on our individual teams. So um, it's an odd thing. Once we get to actually be in person, I'm going to be surprised by how tall some people are, or you know, like <laughs> just the things you can't pick up on on Zoom. And I, I did want to shout out Susie Boyer on our team, um, our HR manager, who has been, and, and I'm sure there are some other folks as well who've helped, but have been really good at um, when we do have big company meetings um, that used to be in person. One time we had a comedian that she recruited that did a little comedy show for us. We've had um, a number of breakout rooms where people on the team can talk about different things like uh, recipes or bring your pets or um, we had one where we just shared a bunch of ridiculous YouTube videos you know it's just been pretty pretty creative uh, pretty in informal familiar um, but just to give some levity to the never-ending zoom meeting mm-hmm. That's definitely um, been something that does make it a little bit more bearable to, to sit through, you know, a day long thing on Zoom, which I'm sure everybody's got some relatable experience with on now. Um, Robin, I know um, you had mentioned in the chat that you have uh, ha- arranged some some art groups and and um, doing those as sort of like a, a, an additional piece for team building. I'd love to hear more about what you've got going on there. Sure, I'm happy to share. We are, uh, I'm a huge fan of artsy fartsy times uh, with my kids and I just thought like why not I have this amazing <laughs> uh, list of I mean a, a bunch of art supplies so why not suggest this to our team so uh, we actually like used some of our um, health and wellness kind of budget to support team members purchasing like watercolors like little things you know um, but we've been doing it I think about once a month maybe almost that Uh, and it's just been a nice way to like connect about something other than other than work Um, Mm. and it's it's usually depending on the person who's like leading the activity I'm using air quotes um, (laughs) like you know usually teaches us a lot about how people grew up and um, and it's just always really um, really helpful to to see people in that different way so uh, we've been doing that, and I'm excited to try more of the walking meetings, as y'all suggested too. <laughs> Thanks. I love these um, these suggestions because I th- I do think one of the things that can be a challenge with with things like having office hours is that um, it's another thing to do, and then you feel like oh I should talk to somebody, I should schedule that, but I don't really have a, an agenda, so I don't know if I'm going to be wasting their time. If it's something like going for a walk, um, <laughs> painting with watercolors, which sounds like so delightfully therapeutic. That's something that um, takes some of that pressure off because you're doing something, you're deciding to do something that's not work related. And that's what we do for the set amount of time, which is lovely. (laughs) I'm curious about um, anybody that's having um, the experience of going back to the office on a hybrid level, um, thinking about splitting your time between uh, the office and home. If, um, if that's something that's making you feel like more or less connected, um, if anybody does have thoughts on that, um, I'm seeing a couple of hands raised. So I'm gonna um, call on Meredith first, not just because we share a name, but I think your name went up first or hand went up first. Yeah, so we have kind of gone back and forth quite a few times. So every time we've had a surge here, we're in Naples, Florida, Southwest Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, then we would go back home for a period of time. But most of this time in the last couple of surges, we've just gone back to 
hybrid um, where we split the staff so that basically half the staff is there twice a week um, and the other half of the staff is there twice a week. With Fridays, we're alternating and our, our CEOs in most days, um, just because we do have a lot of um, people who want that in-person touch and mm -hmm. a lot of our donors are, are older, obviously South of Florida. Um, is an older area and, and, you know, we can't do everything virtually. I have a lot of uh, donors that can barely open an attachment and email. So it's really important that they have that time with me. I'm the director of donor services. So, um, but um, I, I like the hybrid, but I would say that we do find that communication sometimes gets a little bit when we are hybrid, there's things that kind of, there is, there's something missing. It's very, when we get together and we're all together in these periods of time in between when things have died down a bit and it's been safer to be together, like our team is a great, really fun, um, connected team. And I, I do think everyone feels a disconnect. However, I do happen to enjoy having some days at home a little bit. I just don't, um, but I will also welcome when we go back to being in person because it does change the dynamic of our team. Like we're just not quite as connected and I find that communication isn't quite quite as good. Um, I think we get a little insulated in our silos when we're all at home and, you know, get focused on our work and then we kind of forget, um, you know, we, we don't have those little, you know, fun conversations that you have when everybody's in the office and then that, that also gets work done, so. Definitely, I think it's, it's a thing where I am happy to be hearing about all of these folks that, um, you know, looking at their teams are like, we have such a fun team. It makes me so excited for the day when we actually do get to get back in touch um, and sit down because right now, to your point, Meredith, I think, you know, rather than having the sort of water cooler moment where we talk about whatever, you know, weekend plans we have, we're dealing with like, what is the what is the classwork for my, my child going on in the next room about? What is what is going on there? So it doesn't necessarily pull us together in the same ways that just um, seeing people in person really does. That's a tricky thing. I think it's also that everybody, um, you know, has a different sense of what, what um, personal space looks like <laughs> these days. I think that it's, it's whether or not we acknowledge it um, explicitly, I think it's there that there's been a shift. Um, it'll definitely be interesting to see people coming back together again. And I know thinking about um, the, the headquarters in Bozeman for us, I know we definitely see some people that are always in the office, um, but I've heard they're kind of in the same boat of, of it's only a handful of people in a big building and it, it can feel a little lonely even when you're actually in person. Especially without all the dogs. I know, man, the dogs make everything better. <laughs> One good but, thing about working from home, we've got our pets. Not for me. I've, I don't have a dog, but at least I have, have a cranky old Yeah, but she's cranky. <laughs> so I miss the happy founded puppies. So, um, well, we could talk about dogs all day uh, here at Founded <laughs> or pets. You have no idea. Um, actually, Jessica, I'm curious about this. Anybody on a team of one? Wow, that's a great question. How are people <laughs> with a team of one handling if we have anybody on the call? I'm not a team of one. I work with a okay. team of 15. However, okay. I work with a lot of nonprofits that are a team of one. And early on in the pandemic, I just announced to every affinity group, every training group, and everybody that called me, I gave them my personal cell phone number. Mm. My colleagues thought I was crazy, but I can tell you it was worth every minute I've spent on the phone. Nobody has abused it. People text me things and ask if they can call, 
but it's brought such joy for me in the mid middle of a busy day to get a text or a call from somebody who just needs to talk, either my colleagues or these nonprofits. So if you've been hesitant about giving out your cell phone number, I encourage you to do it because it really um, does bring joy many times in a day that's a little bit dark. Thank you, I Linda. love that, that story. I think it's something that, um, I, I think the fear is always that there will be a lot of grantees that, that you wanna like eat up your time. But I think, you know, generally speaking, it's people are pretty respectful of, uh, of boundaries and not wanting to transgress, but hearing more from what people are doing in the field, especially when they're on their own, it's such a great opportunity to, to build a really solid relationship with, with who you're working with. Appreciate that. Thinking about wrapping up here since I'm not seeing any hands. Um, I hope everybody has a great uh, rest of the week and uh, hope we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks everyone. So that was our conversation. New episodes of Connected Philanthropy release every other Monday. So make sure you subscribe if you'd like to hear more conversations like this. Connect directly with other members of the philanthropic community by joining community.foundant.com. From all of us here at Foundant, thanks for connecting.